0: Pete Booty Judge, who the media has invented out of thin air, who is by some polls leading in Iowa, by other polls leading in New Hampshire, um, all among white people. I mean, Pete, uh, other than the you know few people that he might be friends with that are black, uh, overall, the black population, uh, I think he's polling at 1%. at the highest. Um, But Pete Buttigieg is literally spawned out of the corporate media. I mean, this is what the corporate media and these elitist, out-of-touch idiots on CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, this is who they swallow in and spit out. Um, There's no there there, as we've been reporting. And, you know, he's gotten some critical coverage, some critical coverage uh, in the last few weeks, so much so that um, he has now been transparent and said, I consulted with Blue Cross Blue Shield, this nonprofit, uh, terrible, terrible vulture company who, full disclosure, I get my current health care from them, and it's terrible, and um, he, he consulted for the Pentagon uh, on their, you know, valiant, valiant wasting of our lives and treasure in Afghanistan over the last 20 years. He only consulted for three. Uh, consulted for the EPA, which is also corrupt. Consulted for a shopping, uh, shopping chain in Canada that was involved with a massive bread fixing, uh, price fixing scandal. So he was on the A-team. In in terms of consulting. And, you know, his campaign, his campaign, who, by the way, Jen can tell you, Jen's in the super chat. His campaign has as its spokesperson, uh, this woman, Liz Smith. Liz, if you're watching, we'd love to interview you. Who, uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds, but Liz Smith is like your card carrying member of the establishment corporate propaganda unit. She was a spokesperson for the IDC, which if you live in New York, the IDC was that group of Democrats that basically were Republicans. They voted with the Republicans in the New York state legislature. She was a spokesperson for them. And now she is basically uh, Pete Buttigieg's human armor. She goes after Warren for Buttigieg. She goes after Ryan Grimm. She goes after everybody. It's crazy. So, of course, the campaign put out, you know, I didn't really do anything of substantial with uh, these companies that I consulted for. I just graduated from Oxford. I was a Rhodes Scholar, but they only wanted me like I did. Spe- I did spreadsheets. I got people coffee. You know, um, I helped with powerpoints. You know, because uh, as Wendell Potter, uh, a healthcare expert who used to work in big pharma, he's kind of come out uh, in in his second. Half of his life saying, uh, "I apologize for being part of the problem." He said, "Yeah, no, these companies like Blue Cross Blue Shield, they don't hire McKinsey consultants to do PowerPoints for them." Uh, so Pete's campaign has tried to spin this in a way that is not too damaging. Uh, they've tried to spin it in a way that is, um, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't involved with policy for Blue Cross Blue Shield. I wasn't involved with uh, people's plans getting hiked up. None of that. I, I wasn't involved with any of that, which of course is nonsense. Um, and in the years that he consulted, prices did go up. And somebody was arguing with me on Twitter last night. Oh, Jordan, you know, you don't care about... because. Jobs were lost in Blue Cross Blue Shield, too, in the years that Pete consulted. So she was saying, you don't care that under Bernie's Medicare for All plan, jobs will be lost in the private health insurance industry? And my answer is, no, I don't. Sorry. Should I care if jobs are going to be lost in the fossil fuel company? F- what is what is the more dire thing, people losing their jobs or people losing their lives? I'm sorry for you if you're losing your job working in an industry that is causing people to die. You can eventually find another job or hopefully land on your feet. You might have that chance if you get laid off from Blue Cross Blue Shield and these other private health insurance industries. Uh, If somebody dies because you won't give them health care if they don't pay, they don't have that second chance. So uh, this person on Twitter infuriated me. But anyway, while this is all going on, While this is all going on, uh, Pete released his list of clients. He also said, I'm going to let the press in to my lavish fundraisers, even though unless you're the New York Times, which apparently was allowed at his fundraiser, nobody even knows where the fundraisers are. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not advocating people go to these fundraisers and and do anything untoward or, or nothing violent. You know, I want to be careful because YouTube has a new harassment policy I think is out today, too. And it basically presents anything. You know, YouTube, when they like to add new policies, they tend to go a little too broad, if you know what I'm saying. So they have a new harassment policy and you got to be careful because you don't want it to come off like you're inciting violence, which I always say, we're about peaceful uh, protest here. This is a peaceful journalistic movement, a peaceful activist movement. So I'm not saying uh, anything, you know, we don't want to, you know, do anything violent or, you know, make rich people uncomfortable, whatever. Well, make them uncomfortable, but you know what I mean. But Why shouldn't we know where these fundraisers are? If he's asking for people to give him money, small dollar people, shouldn't we know the big dollar people where he's going so people could protest outside? And uh, some climate activists and other kinds of activists did exactly that Uh, outside his Park Avenue. Park Avenue, if you're unfamiliar, Park Avenue is one of the richest areas in the country. Uh, It is where a lot of Wall Street bankers live, a lot of very, very uh, well-esteemed doctors live, uh, trust fund babies live, um, you know, top, top, the elite, the oligarchy lives on Park Avenue, on uh, on, uh, Madison Avenue, whatever. So let's see some of the protests at his Park Avenue fundraiser yesterday. That was a Lisi friend of mine, actually, uh, I guess, leading that protest. 580 Park Avenue, that is around 66, 67th Street on Park Avenue. Pretty, 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 pretty prime real estate. Pretty prime real estate. That's where New Generation Pete is. You know, he says he's the next generation. And uh, I guess he's being honest when he says he is leadership. Uh, he's a different kind of leadership, leadership outside of Washington, D.C. Because technically, uh, Park Avenue is outside of Washington, D.C. That must be what he means. Must be. What's amazing to me is uh, while all this is going on, while Pete Buttigieg by progressives, while Pete Buttigieg by activists, while the media has close eyes on him, you got to give it up for him. Like Joe Biden, the arrogance has no bounds. He does a fundraiser with one of the richest men/slash families in the country. This is who the next generation of America, the next generation of leadership, is with a Rothschild heir. He told his uh, fundraiser guests last night at the home of that's where this these protests were. Jeffrey Hogoot, who is a Rothschild heir. Rothschild family, uh, obviously one of the wealthiest families in the history of America. Nobody thought the mayor of South Bend was going to be an institutional fundraising power. The South Bend, Indiana mayor told about 80 donors gathered in the Upper East Side Manhattan apartment. Oh, what a fundraising power you are! A group of demonstrators uh, out of the outside the apartment building were outside calling him Wall Street Pete. He uh, went on to say uh, that. Uh, bah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Quote, one of the first things you learn as a mayor, right, is to never say something, never say something in the la- in the labor breakfast that you'd be embarrassed to have repeated at the chamber brunch or vice versa. Judge told donors, apparently referencing labor groups in the business lobby. He told donors he is making realistic promises that the government can afford, but also had some tax hikes. He might be might he may be needed. That may be needed to pay for his plans. You know who said some of the same things? Probably in the same exact apartment. Hillary Clinton. This is how Hillary Clinton spoke. uh, At massive, massive fundraisers in 2016. You know, some little little, uh, pillow talk. You know, kind of obligatory. Yeah, we're going to have to raise your taxes a little bit. Um, But we're not going to do anything major here don't worry about it. And, you know, I'm not going to say anything here that I wouldn't say, you know, on Main Street. It's all so dishonest. It's all so ridiculous. It's all so gilded age. And yet the media doesn't care because the media thinks highly of people who do fundraisers on Park Avenue. And just so you know, the person that he just did the fundraiser with, uh, this uh, All this information is from Jen. She's writing a story on this for Status Quo. Jeffrey Hogut is a Rothschild heir, a family that is so wealthy, they not only owned but have recently sold historic property in Austria. That's the size of Manhattan for $112 million. Uh, Hogut manages GRH Holdings, a real estate company, uh, he's a Wharton grad, so definitely leading of the leader of the pack of the meritocracy. Big in work, banking, investment, equities—you name it. Um, it's not his first rodeo. He gave eighty-five thousand dollars to the DNC uh, during the twenty-sixteen campaign, and near the next, he he gave near the max to Hillary's campaign for twenty-sixteen. So clearly, he doesn't mind wasting his money. He also has donated to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, he's also been embroiled in some crises. He's been on the International Advisory Council, uh, which reports stopped coming out after 2014. So unsure of his current status. Uh, this is this this is a status that comes from donating between 25,000 and 100,000 uh, per year. He gave to uh, this advisory council. Uh, he's also has this status with inter- with International Crisis Group. Uh, International Crisis Group says they are working to prevent wars, oh yeah, and shape policies to create a more peaceful world, says every warmonger that's ever lived. However, reporting from the Center for Economic and Policy Research in 2013 shows this may not be the case. Quote, the International Crisis Group sells itself as working to prevent conflict worldwide, but there is one country where a mission looks more like promoting rather than preventing conflict. Exhibit A in their report, Venezuela! Uh, released today. There's a lot wrong with this report. Most of it reads like a statement from Venezuela's political opposition rather than a neutral third-party observer. But the most ugly and pernicious thing is the report's insistence that the validity of the election result in Venezuela needs to be clarified and that a fully transparent audit is necessary, or else the government's rule will increasingly come to be seen in as, uh, by many as an imposition. Oh, interesting. These stru- statements strongly imply that the Venezuelan government is to blame if the opposition returns to the violence. Hmm. What exactly What exactly is in Venezuela that a bunch of bankers might want access to? Oil. The world's largest oil reserves. No wonder. This man who uh, gave all this money to this group that doesn't want war. They just want Peace. He wants that oil, baby. It's all about the oil. What's amazing to me about all this, while Judge is going to kiss the ring of Rothschild's heirs, you have uh, Liz Smith. Again, if you're coming to this late, Liz Smith is essentially his corporate establishment shield, his princess in shining armor because she's a woman. Uh, she's just on a rampage on Twitter at, at going after anyone who dares challenge, investigate Pete Buttigieg. So Ryan Grimm uh, accurately reported that Buttigieg, uh, while a consultant at McKinsey, helped raise premiums and lay off workers for Blue Cross in Michigan. So Liz Smith just she doesn't really give an explanation for what he got wrong. Just saying outside of the company name, this thread was wrong. And exhibit A of how disinformation and hyperbole spreads online with zero accountability. So Ryan Grimm of The Intercept then just responded with a, a tweet from Adam Green of Bold Progressives. And Adam Green of Bold Progressives tweeted out this uh, This is Buddha Judge in 2011 when asked about his role as a McKinsey consultant. Uh, one of the things I did for a living was just that. So I remember uh, one client's organization that uh, was a large attorney. So the audio wasn't great on that, but basically he was saying uh, one client, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, had duplication. They love when they la- when they want to cut, lay off people to grease their profits. They love to say duplication, uh, repetition. Uh, some people didn't even know what the people working for them were doing. This is what he said. So, of course, you know, Pete Buttigieg's campaign. Pete Buttigieg's campaign wants to sit there and like pretend that, oh, no, he just did spreadsheets while a consultant for this mammoth, um, this mammoth healthcare company. He wasn't involved with policy, none of that. No, no, no. Of course, they brought him in. They brought him in uh, to consult because their profits were down. So guess what? They hiked prices for your health insurance if you have Blue Cross Blue Shield, and they laid people off. I don't really care to tell you the truth about them laying people off. I don't want to sound heartless, but like, I'm not so concerned about the people's jobs in private health care. I don't think there should be a private health care industry. I'm sorry if you fall on hard times because you lose your job. What can I tell you? I'm sorry. Do I think uh, it's good that Bernie's Medicare for all plan involves a transition plan? To re- Yes, but my main concern is all the people being deprived of health care. My main concern is people rationalize rationing insulin and other things. My main concern is people literally choosing to just struggle with heart palpitations, crippling body pain, then go to the emergency room. I know many of them right now in Flint, Michigan, who still a national scandal, does not have clean water, and still to this day does not have expanded Medicare for Flint residents for the man-made water contamination that befell on them. Through no fault of their own. So, Pete Buttigieg, his qualifications, he went to Oxford. So, he is definitely one of these Harvard high class establishment guys. Got the education. He's the leader of the pack. He checks all the boxes of the meritocracy. And he could have had any job he wants, but he goes to McKinsey. Again, if you don't know, McKinsey does consulting, which is just another word for. Helping companies figure out how to lay people off, how to screw people, how to jack up their health care, how to cover up their contamination. A lot of these companies that they consult for are chemical companies, how to launch unnecessary, immoral wars around the world. He consulted for the Pentagon while we were wasting, if you, if you read that Washington Post story, while we were literally in a war that had no mission literally in a war in Afghanistan with no mission, no actual enemy, just chasing our tail between our legs to the tune of one trillion. But he just did PowerPoints. I want to get into something that's a little bit of a sensitive topic. And, you know, if you dare say anything, if you dare say anything that comes off untoward against Tulsi Gabbard, in some quarters, you are you are described as smearing her. You are described as being, you know, Satan's spawn, basically. And for the record, Tulsi Gabbard is my number two. After Bernie, I would vote for Tulsi Gabbard. I do find some things questionable, but overall, um, I think compared to Warren, uh, she's a lot more progressive. Um, I think, Compared to a lot of things, uh, a lot of other candidates, she would be my pick. I do find uh, some inconsistencies. I've talked to you about the fact, why is she doing off-the-record fundraisers? Uh, Excuse me, off-the-record conversations and meetings with Wall Street executives. I don't like that. Um, You know, there's been some inconsistencies there. um, And also, I think in some cases, uh, she's been a little, taken a little while to come out against certain... Uh, concerning things but I also question at this point what exactly what exactly is she trying to achieve um, I'm all for you know a protest candidate but I'm not for a protest candidate if it's going to basically serve as a spoiler to real a real progressive candidate so she announced I don't have the tweet in front of me but a couple of days ago that whether she uh, qualifies for this next debate on December 19th. So eight days from now, she's not going to attend. She said that she thinks, um, it's a waste of time. She put debates, uh, in quotes, which I agree with her. I don't think these are much of a debate at all. Um, and basically said she'd rather spend her, she'd rather spend her time, you know, on the ground, talking to the people of New Hampshire, Iowa, whatever. So listen, I'm, I'm a pretty outside the box guy but to me that makes no sense. I understand the debates are unfair, I understand they are squash you know giving you limited time, but if you seriously genuinely are running to win, if you are, are running to be in this thing through Iowa, through New Hampshire, all that, if you qualify you sh- you have to be there. <laughs> and uh, in the 40 seconds they give you, in the 2 minutes give you gives you she has shown she has the ability to do damage. So um, I think um, it's wasteful not to go. But I also wonder if if, if, if you're not going to debate, then, okay, If you, I don't think that's the right strategy because your name is going to be basically coming up as not participating, which the media is going to spin against you. But to me, if you... Choosing not to debate, I'm starting to question, are you in this to actually win? Because if you're not into this, if you're not in it to win, then the secondary question needs to come up. You know, Elizabeth Warren, for example, actively, through doing nothing, sandbagged Bernie Sanders. Now, in 2016. Now, I'm not saying Tulsi Gabbard, it's Tulsi Gabbard's responsibility to help Bernie Sanders. But clearly, Tulsi Gabbard... Um, clearly Tulsi Gabbard is closest to Bernie Sanders. So I look at some of the polls right now, you have uh, this new New Hampshire poll that came out. She's 5% in New Hampshire. Uh, Bernie's at 15% in New Hampshire. You look at, uh, some of the Iowa polls, she's at five, 6%. Well, how are you going to get up in the polls if you don't debate? Secondly, um, it seems that she's been around... I mean, she has risen a little bit. She's been around 1%, 2%, 3%, and now 5%, 6%. But I'm saying to myself, what's fundamentally going to change here to get her to 9%, 10% in Iowa, in in New Hampshire? So then you have to get to the numbers because I don't think Tulsi is hurting... um, Bernie as much in Iowa as I think in New Hampshire. I mean, you look at the age demos, uh, 18 to 29, obviously Bernie dominates there, 28%. Gabbard is five. If if Tulsi's not in it uh, by New Hampshire, that's going to, that. most of that goes to Bernie. Um, same thing for these other age demos. And I'm just looking at this. I know some of you aren't going to like it. You're going to say, you know, don't, you shouldn't be Tulsi, you know, should see this through, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, if your goal, Tulsi Gabbard's goal is to get leadership in there, to take out the military industrial complex. Well, the bottom line is by not debating again, I I get it. If she didn't make the qualification, if she didn't make the debate, but she was signaling before The qualification before it was even known if she was going to qualify that she would not participate. So the bottom line is the rubber the rubber is meeting the road here. You're either in this to win it, or you have to make a decision. Can 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 my five percent go towards someone who is closest to carrying out what I want? You guys might disagree with me, but that 5% she has is very, very valuable and could be the difference in New Hampshire. I think there's a much better chance that Bernie wins New Hampshire than Iowa at this point. Iowa is a lot more unpredictable. I th- Iowa is a caucus system. People could, you know, particularly the unexpected, the uh, first-time voters could... A week before, say, oh, I'm going to go out. And then it's snowy or they just don't feel like it or whatever. Whereas New Hampshire, it's a primary. It's a simpler process. You go, you vote. You don't have to go through this whole thing. So to me, you look across the board, 5%, 5%, 6%. If even 2% of that 5% goes to Bernie, that could be the difference. So my question is, what does Tulsi Gabbard see as her path to win? I think she should stay in the race uh, through the new year. I do continue your, uh, to continue your events in Iowa, continue your events in, uh, New Hampshire. But if we're talking beginning of the new year, middle of January, if you're still at four or 5%, if, if you're not rising, I'm just talking as a progressive. I I don't want to take away from her message, but that percentage, this is just the math could put Bernie over the top. We know Warren's not dropping out, and you know there's going to be people who say, "Oh, Jordan is telling uh, Tulsi to be a good look, good girl and and step aside for the man." It's not a it's not about her being a woman. I'm just making that clear. It's about if you want a progressive to win this thing, Bernie's got to win Iowa and New Hampshire. It, 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 that's just the case. He has to win Iowa and New Hampshire. So how? You're either passionate about staying in just to keep getting your message out, or you're passionate about a progressive winning, particularly one who has voted against these insane defense budgets, who has called for an end to these wars, who has voted against these wars, and is consistent with your ideology. So I'm, I'm officially saying I think she should drop out if, she's not, if, if she has not risen significantly by early next year. I do not think she should if she wants to go to Iowa, fine. But I, even that is a little risky because if she drops out after Iowa, it's not a guarantee that all of her voters are then a week later are gonna vote for Bernie. The week later. And you know, for you know, I see people saying F that, this and that. I get it. I happen to like Tosi in some areas in, in a lot in, in a lot of areas. But at the end of the day, this is about winning and losing. If progressives want to run just to have their message out, then we could be running to have our message out for the next 20 years. But if you want, to want, if you want to run to win, then something's got to give here. Warren is taking away from Bernie way more than Tulsi is. But that 4 or 5% of Tulsi, I mean, if she gets up to 8%, 9%, 10%, I think she should stay in and let let the cards where fall where they fall. But if you're at five percent and it's not rising and now you're saying you're not gonna debate, I don't get you've gotten your message out. The media has been unfair. I don't wanna I don't want to belittle it. The media has done to Tulsi what they did to Bernie in twenty sixteen. They have been completely disrespectful to her. They have been McCarthyite scum. And let's not belittle that but that's the truth. Elizabeth Warren, uh, now that her campaign has stalled, is apparently uh, doing a second act. She is, um, you know, softening or going harder against Pete Buttigieg. Uh, As the New York Times reports, she's trying to uh, accentuate the fact that she is a woman uh, more and kind of without saying anything negative about Bernie, uh, you know, focus on her uh, being a woman to kind of show that is a difference. Yada, yada, yada. Um, But. Now she's trying to, uh, like on other things, uh, reinvent herself as being uh, kind of uh, against the warmongers. This is they. The Pentagon's budget has been too large for too long. I cannot support a defense bill. That's a $738 billion Christmas present to Giants defense contractors and undermines our values and security. That's why I supported one for $715 billion the year before. She goes on to say the NDAA does nothing to end our disastrous and inhumane support for Saudi ops in Yemen, nothing to prevent a war with Iran, and permits the deployment of a destabilizing low-yield nuke weapon. For that and 738 other billion reasons, I don't support the bill. She's against it now. She's against it now. Um, Then God bless you. But why is she against it now? What's the difference between 738 billion and 715 billion. And she has not been, um, she's not been challenged really on her foreign policy. On a debate stage, Bernie's kind of alluded to, he's the only one that's voted against uh, these massive defense budgets. Uh, I think he was wrong on that. I don't think Tulsi's voted for them. But she essentially. In some areas, she pretend, she she does little accounting tricks to make it look like she's against big money in politics. We know she was doing these massive fundraisers uh, in her Senate re-election campaign and then just transferred the money over uh, went, uh, to her presidential campaign and said, I don't do big fundraisers, see? So she does big fundraisers. She just did it as a senator in her last re-election in 2018 and then just transferred it over. And now she's trying to make it look like she's pounding her chest. I'm against the military industrial complex when she voted for a $715 billion defense budget. I didn't hear Elizabeth Warren leading the fight with Ro Khanna and Bernie Sanders on Yemen either. Did you? Because in that tweet, she's mentioning Yemen. So it's not enough to be on the right side now. It's you need to be on the right side consistently. And if you haven't read the uh, Washington Post story, I don't often credit the Washington Post, but in this case, it's one hell of an investigative story. Read it. I read the whole thing. It's long, but it's worth it. Elizabeth Warren, voted her voting for that $715 billion defense budget, a lot of that money was going towards the immoral, wasteful, totally nonsensical war in Afghanistan. That she helped make happen in that vote. And of course, Bernie Sanders has gotten some votes wrong. But there's proportions, folks. I don't believe that Elizabeth Warren is going to put a dent in the defense budget as president. Do you? I don't believe she's going to take on Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and Boeing. Do you? I was not born yesterday and you shouldn't be either. And I'd like to see some people challenge her on this. And yes, when we go to New Hampshire, we'll be covering her too. And we'll probably be going to Iowa soon too. She is in this, to me, because she wants to be president. I think she genuinely doesn't like the banks, doesn't like this stuff. But I think her main conviction is she wants to be president. And she doesn't like the banks and Wall Street. But she's kind of doing a Mitt Romney here and etch-a-sketching all over the place. First she was for. First she was with Bernie. Now she has a mangled health care plan. First she votes for the defense budget that was ridiculous and immoral. Now she's against big defense spending. Never said a word on Yemen. Now she's you know a fighter on behalf of the children and women getting massacred in Yemen. Who is Elizabeth Warren really? I knew who she was when she got into the Senate. It was a lot clearer then. Right now, I don't know. I do not know.